Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. Welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast and the Detroit is Different podcast studios. It's definitely still summer and it's more heat to come. And somebody right here has definitely been offering more heat to, I would say, the origination of a lot of my creative spirits. Um, really one of the key visions of the Launchpad for Detroit is Different deals with my relationship with hip hop. So... The man I'm interviewing today is partnered with, uh, when you see most things Detroit is different, you're going to definitely see this man, Joe Black. And when you see Joe Black, you're going to see this man right here. John Cloud, how you feeling today? Man, I feel great, man. You know, it's a little hot outside, but it's better than what is be happening in January. You feel me? <laughs> hey, 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 I feel you. I'm going to remember that, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, bring it in all forms. That's what you get here in yeah. Michigan. You know? Right on, right on. So with that being said, we're going to kick this off usual Detroit is different style. Mm -hmm. uh, your people, uh, Detroit. Uh, I don't know if you first generation, second generation. What led you and your people to the city of Detroit? Who was the first? Uh, my mom's mom came up here from uh, Alabama. And okay. she only bought, like, my mom and my aunts because, you know, the, my uncles couldn't come in because welfare. Mm. You couldn't have a dude, couldn't be in the crib or anything male-related or you wouldn't be eligible for welfare. Wow. So, you know, she had to come up here. Um, she worked at the post office, got her money up, bought a crib, and then bought my uncles up. So that's how uh, my mom's side of the family got here. And um, my dad's side of the family uh, came from uh, Baltimore. Hmm. Like, you know, they both, the straight Taino, they both was poor. My dad full-blooded Puerto Rican. Hmm. So it was like they met here, and I'm glad they did. <laughs> okay. All right, now now let's get into some of this Alabama way, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna get to be more. For sure. Uh, whereabouts in Alabama? Uh, right outside of Uniontown. Mm -hmm. We got uh, 150 acres down there, wow. and it's literally called like Jonestowns. Our family name is Jones. Okay, now that's a weird concept <laughs> because it's already the Jonestown, Jonestown. Right. And every time I saw you, I'm like, my man kind of looked like Jim Jones. Man, you know. And then <laughs> <laughs> right. We know my man, um, uh, uh, Dev Pete. Shout out to Dev Pete, uh, and uh, um, uh, uh, my man uh, Patio. Patio would uh, was just a photographer, mm -hmm. right? And uh, he called me like, "Yo, yo, I'm in New York. I'm, uh, you know, he, he speak with the accent, you know, like I'm in New York. I'm sure do the shoot with Jim Jones. I keep telling him like, "Yo, I know this nigga look just like you. I know this nigga look just like you. You wouldn't believe it." So he say, Jim asked, like, well, man, just show me a picture of this nigga. He, he looked and was like, wow. You know, you know, yeah, right. And, and obviously for people watching this photo, <laughs> Jim Jones, not the, not the, um, the cult. Jim Jones, rapper. right. Jim Jones, the rapper from the, the rap group Dipset, uh, the Diplomats. Uh, right. Um, more so, you may know him from, like, Love and Hip Hop, but. I know him as Capo status, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you do to uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, always a, a diplomat fan uh, back right. in the day. And even to this day, you know what I'm saying? Still rock with Cameron and a lot of them Oh, cats. yeah, man. They crew um, definitely was dope. Yeah. But when we think about like 158 acres of land, black folks yeah, owning that much land in Alabama, how did that, you know, what's the story behind that? Oh, man. Um my mother's, my mother's mother's mother. Your mother's mother 
mother. Yeah, my so that's your great great yeah. great grand. No, my because, uh, because like your grandma is my mother's and mother. Your great your great great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. Um, she was a full blooded Blackfoot, hmm. and um, it was a landowner, slave owner. You know, fell in love with her, and he left his wife for her. And uh, you know, he told her um, if she wait, out- wait, 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 wait. You about to you getting into some interesting stories? Right? <laughs> My that's bad. Why I like opening up, but we, I got some of this stuff. You got to, you got to like. We got to breathe. Okay, okay, for sure, for so, sure. So obviously, I mean, people like using the term more like a colonizer, but right, an right enslaver, on. right? Uh, that uh, at the time um, operated. A plantation exactly um with this footprint of land right met your great great grandmother right who was blackfoot who was blackfoot so being a blackfoot i'm guessing in that in that territory right um she was not uh she was not faced with the atrocity of enslavement but definitely i'm guessing she faced some some um, uh, dislike, if you will, you I, I know would what say I mean? some discrimination, this, some uh, well, you know. Anytime when you're not, um, anytime when you're not um, genetically aligned with right the colonizer, yeah, 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 you know. So anytime you're not the, anytime you're not the race of the race of the people who running things, then shit flows downstream. Yeah, technically you're gonna get problems, you know. So, so she. And, and I mean, I know this is like probably like fourth hand now because maybe your right. mom had told you something, but your mom probably gave you some of this game. She just like in town. Well, and then was, I'm surprised even at the time of well, of uh, of like where things go because the right. Blackfoot there must have had some type of respect just because like when we think about a lot of laws and women's rights. Right. Um, back then, you know, when we think about sexual assault, rape, those if things. If you're a woman yeah. in town. And especially a woman that wasn't a white woman. Right. Or even if you were a white woman that wasn't married. Right. Really, if you were a white woman that wasn't married to a man that society respected. That part even. You possibly, ain't no possibly, rape, sexual assault, like like almost just, like. Just, just really messy general mistreatment all yes, the time, you feel was, me? Was commonplace. Right. Right. That was like the rule of the land from my understanding back then, you feel me? But your great great grandmother it was something different in her well it was respect the uh the, the tribe still down there a, a lot of the southern tribes didn't um there was this thing with the tribes where like the government told them was like well you know if you say you're white you know we'll give you some land back mm -hmm. you know uh you know you give up your culture you become christian you give up your your cultural language and you learn english and you give up your cultural dress that they, they want everybody to give up their culture so to, to the ones that didn't want to give up their culture they wanted to keep their connection to the culture they made they kept their land and stuff and they became powerful crop owners too you know what I'm saying? Because the tribe would work the crops and not the slaves. So you had these uh, tribes that were planting the crops once they saw the lucrative aspect of it. So they would start the crop and become rival businesses, if you will, to the white people. Hmm. You know? This is interesting. And then it's also interesting as I'm learning and be becoming more knowledgeable about what would be labeled as native and in our mind we're thinking like i don't know yeah. pocahontas or something well, but I mean, a lot of what's native are black folk 
Yeah, like, well, folks, it, it the, darker than me. Right. Uh, a lot of the Maroons, the yeah. Seminole colonies, this the Blackfoot colonies. Man, my, my 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 uh my grandmother's mother was uh she was dark, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she was darker than you, you feel me? But her hair was like, I remember her hair being like this long and wavy. Like, it was so long when we would go down south for family reunions, right? Mm-hmm. My my mom and my aunts would all get together and they would like braid her hair. And she would sit in her chair in like the living room or, you know, the little house on the land. And they'd be like out on the porch, like braiding her hair. Then they'd like wrap it around her arms like she was wearing a backpack mm-hmm. or something. But it was like she never cut her hair. Like that was what part of part of part like of the tradition and heritage. Exactly. Yep. So so, but I'm still just blown away by this. So so, this the plantation owner, right? Um, was enthralled and obviously um, connected to your great great grandmother. Right. And said, "I'm going to will this to you." Yeah, he literally, uh, like I said, he left his wife, and in the will, he said, uh, so Grandma said in the will, he said, uh, uh, she's the land was going to be hers anyway, because he wanted her to have it. Interesting. Especially once, you know, they start having kids. So, so it's actually part of the lineage as well. Exactly, right. Mm-hmm. So then he said uh, in the will, it was like, um, if... If uh, my grandmother's mother would have outlived his wife, we'd have got the money, too. But his wife literally died, like, the day after my grandmother's mother. Like, she's like, y'all go get the land, but y'all ain't getting this money. So, And, and that's the other thing about this dynamics, because also being a Native woman, but a non-Anglo, non-white woman. Right. But really, even if you were a white woman at the time, and I'm sure that this happened, it's like landowners in Alabama or it could be New York or Chicago or wherever right honoring <laughs> a woman's right to ownership of land right that is so at that time. rising and then too it's um we don't really know much about his background yeah outside of what we've been told so we don't know uh what type of we don't know how much literal power mm-hmm. he had you know I do we do know he was um I don't know. I think rather I want to say I think he was like uh, Italian or Irish or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? So he was of, as I call it, he was of when, when it comes to whiteness, he wasn't of what we label in my mind as pure whiteness, like Germanic, English. Yeah. Or, you know, a uh, mountainous, you no know, Caucasian from the mountainous yeah. area, so to say. But But yeah, so it's like. You know, English, German, right? Uh, Irish, that's a different like, respect yeah. than Irish or Italian, right? Or Polish, right? Uh, they more so. What's funny is a lot of what you just said with the natives. They assimilated Lated. into exactly what became of whiteness, exactly after some time. But you know, to be Irish or Italian, that's that's a little bit of a different whiteness. But right. I'm just saying, just even in death. You know that being honored. I mean, even mm-hmm. to this day, a lot of times women in in court when um, when a family member or a husband, uh, a spouse will pass, right. um, what what court will honor? It's probate court, it, and hopefully none of you all ever have to go to probate court. If you ever <laughs> have to go to probate court, hopefully you have as much record and data as possible because the the um, the opposition, as the streets say, the ops, the ops. at the gate against <laughs> it, is heavy. 
yeah. uh, to 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 gobble up whatever resources and assets that you have. And you know, and everything is a, a what I want to say a, a paper trail. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's more so because without the will, without his will, then nothing. I don't. I really don't. I really don't have the idea that it would have been enforceable mm-hmm. without his will to literally say, hey, this is what I want to happen and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But it's still a fight. I say even when you have stuff on paper sometimes. Oh, yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, it's, it being honored by these court systems that, that part. have historically been built on the precedence of white supremacy, supremacy right. and uh, definitely not justice. Well, I mean, so that's, that, that still says a lot about the tenacity and the respect for your great great grandmother in my mind that and that's dope too because like i said it was still like a lot of and, and the tribes still being down there mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying the, 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 the first people influence yeah because yeah. it's like you know basically like if you cross them they still they at that time they still were the dominant land owners at that time hmm. so it's like you know you don't really want to go get beefy with somebody who set up all around you yeah you know what i mean so in this footprint, I can't even fathom 158 <laughs> acres. That's like, that's the size of like a, that's the size of like a, a subdivision or something. Man. Well, that's like a uh, lot of land. I think they equate like an acre to like uh, like one acre is like the size r- roughly the size of a football field. Yes. So like 150 football fields roughly. So, but like what my uncle do, cause like my uncle is, um, he's the. Uh, yeah, my uncle, he he's the last surviving child of my uh, great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. So, but what he do is, you know, he got the pine trees on the land and, uh, you know, he uh, sell, the, sell the trees on the land to the paper companies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was tripped, but, you know, and when we come, if we want our part of the land, we can get it to do what we want to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I know a lot of my cousins really just not, like, not their their mind is not necessarily in that yeah space. into that you feel me because yeah. like you know cause i thought about like you know go get an acre of land you know what i'm saying and go grow a crop or something like you know mm-hmm. something like bamboo mm-hmm. and you know it's like hit off like flooring companies and like you know skateboard companies because and, and then and then when you think of the climate of alabama right it's one of it's a climate where you can as i'm learning more about this through urban agriculture right on you can get, you can yield and harvest maybe four or five times a year. Four or five times a year, yes, you can. You know, just you definitely due to can. the climate. Yep, because it stays warm, and that's what propagate the growth. You know, cause like it's a trigger in these plants. It's the, in nature, it's a trigger that when that mm-hmm. certain level of warmth hit, everything activate. Like even mosquitoes are laid dormant till they get something like what is it like. 69 degrees mm-hmm. then they all of a sudden they, they like zombies they come yeah. back to life you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so with this uh you said pines what else was happening on the land what what did your family do with that land oh man we would really just um like we would have family reunions every year mm-hmm. and like i said my uncle would just like do the trees and like sell like the, the pine trees to the uh, paper companies. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like when you go down south, you know, you see all those trucks, those logging trucks. Yeah. That's those logging trucks are the the the, uh, the, the flooring companies, lumber yards, and uh, basically Georgia Pacific mainly, with the um, buying up trees to you know shave down and beating the pulp to make paper. You feel me? 
Okay, and, and what led? So what? What? What was the trigger for your grandmother to leave that and then come to Detroit? Uh man, I was just talk to uh, grandma about uh. So I used to kick. I kick it with 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 the with my elders and my OGs because they got the history. They lived it, mm -hmm. you know. And she was like, you know, she just wanted a, a better life. Cause like, you know, talking to her had a lot of realizations, like, you know, uh, she lived to see the end of slavery. Mm. And she was like, you know, you could be walking, me and you could be walking to school one day. And then we walk home from school one day and we go play after school. The next morning, I'm going to look for you if we walk to school and you hanging from a tree. Wow. And she was like, that was a reality. And then she was like, you know, it was other things like, you know, um, you know, she had uh, two sisters and a brother. And like uh, two of the sisters were dark skinned. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, they didn't get treated well. But the light skinned ones, they got treated well. And mm -hmm. she didn't like seeing her sisters have to go through stuff like that. Because she like, they know like we are going to sleep on the same floor in the same shack. So <laughs> why mm -hmm. treat them any different than you would treat me? But it was just the, the caste system of the South, mm -hmm. you know. And she said she you know wanted a better way. She wanted more opportunities. And she wanted to make a better life for herself. So she came up here and um, I think she worked at the Fisher Body Plant, like doing upholstery for the seats and stuff. And mm -hmm. then she like did some upholstery. Then she did some seamstress work. And then um, she uh, ended up working for the post office. And then uh, somebody, she had an accident or something in the post office truck in the wintertime, somebody hit her. Mm -hmm. And you know, has damaged one of her eyes with glass. So she like got insurance policy from that and then like, you know, went back to doing seamstress work, but she couldn't do it large scale because, you know, her, uh, yep. Yeah. So she um, ended up working for uh, Dobby's. Remember Dobby's used to do like the, uh, the tuxedo people? Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, it's so, like every Easter, like stuff for like school, we would all have like, you know, top hats and tuxedos mm -hmm. and cummerbunds and okay. canes and gloves and spats. We was just looking like the Monopoly man. Yeah, yeah. right. But okay. we were just in the hood. But it was uh -huh. like because she worked there and they had an idea of of elegance because you know they mm -hmm. saw Duke Ellington and Billie Holiday and them. They would see them and they would see them in that elegant setting. You know what I'm saying? Especially you know as as uh, her coming from the south to the north. And you know she like she's wanted a different a change of pace, wanted to feel safer, wanted to feel uh, more secure in living. Cause you know to be able to, to to have to like like to for that to be your reality, bro. Cause we we not that far away from mm -hmm. slavery, but as far away as we are from it, we really don't kind of fathom that ideology that is like you know like they weren't worried about drive-bys they was literally worried about like everything she was like you know everybody went places in the group nobody went nowhere by themselves because you know you could be snatched up and you know whatever yeah. you know lynched hung beat yeah. stabbed and you know she would say like sometimes they would find people that was like stabbed shot beat and burned Wow. Like, after you do one... You're going to continue to torture. Yeah. And, and so... And, and that sick, maniacal exactly. brain and, of what that form of racism... Yup, and you can... And, and, that, and that anger that, that, that leads to sickness like that. Like that, yeah. To, to just be prevalent. 
Right. Uh, I mean, like and we've, be seen like, the, we've uh, seen the Lest We Forget books. And, right. And, and like I tell people, I mean, it was a point in the South when, when we look at those football, it, lynchings had the attendance of like football games. Yeah. Well, you know. And, 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 and if these crowds are drawing thousands of people, they that. have descendants that like they have family members. They had kids coming. Well, you know, you with, see a lot with, of them with pictures, baskets eating. It's eating little kids. You see a lot of them pictures. Little kids there yeah. drinking Coca Colas, eating yeah. watermelon and shit like like eating watermelon yeah. and stuff like that. My bad. Yeah, no, 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 no. But it's like you know, uh, and that's the thing she was saying was like you know yeah. how like fearful, like you know like to have to like live in that type of fear and for now for us to take that for granted and you know how niggas walk around nigga I ain't scared of nothing nigga fuck me and it's like nah I mean it was a time when like caution was like every was step survival, you took yeah it was a survival technique and it, I mean even the horrors of the way that they would um I mean graphic but it's just real they would cut a man's penis off put it in his mouth right. then lynch you right then burn you right and this was common practice well, that was and sometimes they would tar you right feather you right then burn you like right. all of these concepts but but you know be, some of that stuff I but mean, to be was, that but to be that creative man with torture and and yeah. and to you know to be that creative with with, with with destructive force man yeah you know what i'm saying that's but you know it's it's, it's it's nature, you know, like the scorpion and the turtle thing, you know. What I'm saying like they just that's their nature. So you know they, you don't you ain't like I'm saying give them a pass or whatever. But for the sake of understanding, you need to understand that this still this savagery existed then. Exactly, and it's still somewhere oh, yeah. today. Oh yeah, most definitely. But we need to be aware that like it, you know, and it like you said, it's not that long ago. I mean, yeah, Ida right. B. Wells and all of this stuff. This was going on in like the forties. Yeah, mean, true indeed. Strange Fruit is a song that was Man. recorded by you know Billy Holiday. Holiday, right? You, know what I'm saying? you feel so me? It's like we're and 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 you saying that that definitely makes sense. So when she makes her way to Detroit, right. what's her perspective of being here? Man, um, and I'm just remember from talking with talking yeah, with yeah, her, you yeah. know. Um, she said the cold was an adjustment. I can imagine. You know, and you know, shit. It was a thing about uh, missing my uncles. Mm. Are they okay? Are they safe? And, and you touched on that with the whole with the concept of welfare. Yeah. And I mean, this is you know, shout out the movie Claudine. That's, <laughs> I think that really breaks it down. Just the the idea of what you know, men not being present if yeah. the government will assist you. Well, you know, Doctor um, York said, uh, "Welfare was farewell to the black family structure." That's interesting. Because you couldn't have a male in the house, right? Mm -hmm. So the government is like, what? Uh, you know, that, that bum-ass nigga, man, you know, I, mm -hmm. here goes some food stands, girl. I got, I got you on the groceries. <laughs> uh, what? He giving you headaches? I got the rent, baby, Section 8. So it's like you, you go from their generation of, you know, wow, I want to have my family together, but I got to go this hard so we can afford a house to put the family together so we can get off the government subsidizes, you know? And then it's like, you go from that generation to now they said they got settled into welfare and the I don't need no man generation, you feel me? Mm -hmm. Then these women got into their 40s and I don't need no man in the 20s was like, ooh, I need to hurry up and find a man. You know what I mean? And then for mm -hmm. us, it led us to 
it removed us from that responsibility of the family structure. And, and, and it's more takes to take because I oh, know yeah. my, my women audience are looking like, ah, it, it definitely is more layers to right what it on. was. I know it's like, well, granddad had a family across town. Yes, sometimes and, and, granddad and, and, had a family around the corner. But True uh, <laughs> indeed, true indeed. But if granddad could have been at the crib with grandma, guess mm-hmm. what? He wouldn't have been available to have that family around the corner because he'd have been in the crib. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I do. I get what you're saying. And, like, and, oh, man, life is perspective, man. Yeah. You feel me? That's and, all. And as we go, the other <laughs> angle of this. Right. Borique uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wall. You know, the, 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 the Puerto Rican culture from right. Baltimore to Detroit. Because that's definitely East Coast. Oh, uh, man, yeah. Uh, from Baltimore to Detroit, what, what was that connection? Man, I don't even know. Um, I don't even know how that happened. Uh, I do know um, my dad was uh, adopted by uh, my uh, birth grandmothers, by his mom's best friend, you know. Mm. I do know there was like, um, I remember her telling me, because she was here, me and her would kick it, like, you know, my uh, dad's adopted mom made sure I knew who my real grandmother was. And I kind of thought it was normal as a kid for everybody to have three grandmothers Hmm. and always thought I had four, but one of them just died before I met her or some shit, you feel Hmm. me? But, um, you know, she would tell me um, that uh, it was something about like the drug world or something. Like my dad's dad was like in the drug world, so she wanted to escape that. And then she wanted, because like my, my uncle and my aunt you know, my dad's father's side. Yeah, my dad's older siblings was like, you know, in the drug world, you know what I'm saying, user using and selling. Mm. So she didn't want to have my father like around that. So she put him up for adoption with one of her close friends and you know, they stayed close. But, you know, she never really talked about what what that was and what that was. Yeah, like. and it basically was just like, you know, an escape, like mm. uh, a, a getaway from a life she didn't want, you know what I mean? For the child. So, right. So with this all being present, this kind of just leads to the natural next classic Betrayed is Different discussion. And we're, <laughs> we're going, but, man, your story, your family background is, is dynamic. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely put me there. But That's um, what's up. Thank you for that. But what neighborhood? Oh, man. Uh, my dad's uh, neighborhood was uh, Love It. Off of like one little block of Love It between uh, 94 and and McGraw. Okay. And uh, my my mom's hood was uh, Montgomery, between uh, between like Wildermere and 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 between Dexter and Linwood. So so still kind of like in the same like central northwestern footprint. Yeah. And how long did uh was that like how long did your family stay over in that area? Did y'all move around? No, nah, we uh uh or did y'all kind of set roots over that way? Uh my mom and them kind of moved around before uh me and my cousins was born cuz you know this is like we all lived together in one crib. Like mm. at my grandma house it was like my grandma, my mom, my aunt my two uh, youngest uncles, you feel me? Hmm. And then it was me and then, like, my three cousins. And we all lived in, like, a two-bedroom, two-family wow. flat. We lived upstairs. And we just, like, just piled up on top of each other. And so, like, sometimes I would go to my dad's uh, adopted mom's house over on Love It. And I loved it over there because it was just me, you know what I'm saying? And, but then i get lonely because, you know, like, my cousins was like my brothers. We grew up together, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, 
we uh before that, I know my mom said they used to live like on diversity and stuff, and then they kind of moved around and settled down in the area over there on uh, Montgomery. And um, my uncle Sidney, he uh, he worked for the city, had a real good job, and you know he, he stayed crispy. You know what I'm saying? His name, his nickname was Pookie. We don't like to call him Pookie no more because now Pookie is like a yeah. crackhead name. Now, ever since uh, New Jack City, <laughs> New Jack yeah, City, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, my uncle, like you know. He was the one like with the baggy pants, you know, uh, the, the Romeo shoes. Was like he got the Vegeta boots, the, 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 the leather joints, and you know the GQ collars with you know, with the uh, without the flip on the collar, but just the button on the collar. And you know he the one that showed us like you know iron the laces out the Pumas and stretch them and make them fat. And hmm. he like showed us fashion. You know he had like because he worked for the city, so you know. He would have like the Max Julians and like Nanny Goats and you know <laughs> Sherlings and you know uh-huh. and you know he you know pass his stuff down to us or like you know buy stuff and then you know stuff that was safe you know it was like you want to run around as a little kid with a Max Julian I don't give a fuck who you was yeah. you just not want to run around with a little kid with a Max Julian especially you know during the time of like the Young Boys and you know. Uh, um, the Gucci, the Gucci boys, and the Pony chain, down Pony Down, yeah, Chain yeah. Gang, Sconiones, mm-hmm. and um, then my uh, my dad's uh, adopted parents. They owned the property over on Love It, hmm. so um, you so, know I would go back and forth. Yeah. So that connection with that many that many young people like in the same space right that definitely provides a different perspective what what schools because i assume y'all Ooh. may have went to school and it was like mob deep or something man we went i went to um i went to jameson which which is closed down now mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that's on uh pingree oh and like pingree what was that like pingree it's and like, like pingree and like and, off like wildermere yeah yeah pingree yeah. wildermere yeah and um I um, went to McMichael. Okay, so it's still but, a, that's another one. That yeah, but know, before it became a, 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 a police training. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I spent a couple of years at uh, my my dad's adopted mom house over on Love It, and at that time I went to McGraw, and I went to Condon also. Mm-hmm. And Condon used to be on the Boulevard in Buchanan. Mm-hmm. It had got torn down. Um, mm-hmm. Man, it's like a really old school, man, with like, you know, balconies and shit in in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. And like the gym was split off to the locker rooms and then the locker rooms split off to a boys gym and a girl gym separately. Mm-hmm. And uh, had the classrooms in the basement. And uh, Mike Illich had adopted the school. So like if you get to the school by like 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, they load you into a yellow cheese bus. <laughs> and we, we used to get, no, we used to get shipped down to the Fox Theater and we would watch like Looney Tunes and Disney cartoons <laughs> all afternoon and like, and eat like free Little Caesars. And, and you like know, that. like real Little Caesars. Like, okay. and, and, and pop and drink pop and popcorn and stuff. And uh, I mean, one day when, before they closed the school, uh, we had the classrooms in the basement and it was this girl went to get some, um, erasers from the other classroom and she let this scream out and everybody ran and she was it was like like 10 10 like 10 decapitated decapitated bodies was like in this classroom wow and so it's like you know they like closed the school down and like tore the school down and everything it's like a like a big huge field right there in the corner now of uh the bull right right where the boulevard meets buchanan Hmm. yep big field there now man 
wild. That's, that, uh, that's that is yeah, kind of yeah, kid. Kind of was wild too, and it was like because it was like a lot of us from the hood, then like a lot of a lot of a lot of kids from the southwest. So Condon was really diverse. Like when I went to McMichael, it wasn't diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all black. We was all hood. Yeah. But like Condon was like, you know, Mexicans, whites, blacks, because the Southwest was, was right shipping there. kids yeah. over there to it too. What um what high school? Oh man, uh, I went. I ended up going to Henry Ford. Okay. My uncle died in a car accident, and um, my aunt, who was a exec at Ford. She was like, she liked the person that's good with money in the family, you feel me? Mm-hmm. She took some insurance money and uh, bought my, my grandmother a house in Rosedale, and mm-hmm. that's what saved us. Mm-hmm. You know, got us out the hood. And, and you went to Henry Ford as opposed to going to Redford? Yeah, because well, when we first got to Rosedale, I, I went to Murphy, mm-hmm. right? But now I'm going to school with these dudes from Brightmoor who find out that, oh, he get off the bus from Rosedale. So they thought I was a Rosedale person, but they didn't know that dog, I live in Rosedale, but I'm from Linwood, so it's mm-hmm. not going to be a Rosedale fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I got into a situation with a dude, and, um, you know, I beat a guy pretty bad. I ain't proud of it, I, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And um, I... In the closest of the school... You chose Henry Ford. Nah, man, this was like in middle school, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, like Murphy was like Murphy well, was like. I know, I know Murphy, but I'm saying, but that we, is yeah, why you chose Henry Ford because I couldn't the go to Redford. School, yeah, going to Redford would have brought more static. And these are sometimes like when people no, I, ask like the layers, because yeah, I mean, right, of how and why. Hence, you know, like I'm in technically a central neighborhood, right? But because. My family moved to the other side of Dexter right. when I was 12. I'm like, eh, probably wouldn't be that smart because I'd be hanging around all day. I'd be hanging around like 12th Street and Linwood people. And then like when it's time to go home, you I'm on the other Dexter. side. Right. So it's like, okay, right. Northwestern, which is still in the same footprint, right. is like like almost like a free zone. All these Dexter people is. Yeah, because plus Joy Road don't get involved that far down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so what was Henry Ford like? Because I know just from uh, my travels into different high schools, Henry Ford has a heck of a legacy. But Henry Ford, like Cody, and then somewhat Northwestern. Yeah. But it's it was like a, a like a like a real like vocational center inside of Henry. Ford. Oh yeah, what, what I mean like, like uh, wood shops, body shops, and stuff like that. Like, like, a lot of stuff that people was going to other buildings for Votec for... Was right there. Was the classes. It was like that at, 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 uh, at, at I'm trying not to say Mumford, but it was like that at Murphy, too. Mm-hmm. Wood shop, home ec, had, like, refrigerators and stoves and counters, countertops, like, butchered. Mm-hmm. But we wasn't butchering, but it had, like, butcher block countertops and stuff like that. But, um, oh, I ended up at Ford because... Um, When I was at Murphy, man, I met this girl at a dance, bro. I mean, just, long story short, me and this girl start kicking it, man. So, like, a few weeks later, this dude walks up on me in the lunchroom. And he like, yo, I heard you be kicking it with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And me being the smart ass that I am, I was like, yeah, well, she never mentioned you. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And the dude, like, bow, he punches me in the eye and shit. So, I raise up. And, like, four niggas stood up behind him. And, like, I'm, I don't know nobody. I don't even my cousins. Don't even go to school with me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I sat down, man. I grabbed my milk carton, put my little chocolate milk on my eyes so I don't swell up. And 
They called me Milkman for like two weeks. Hey, look, it's the Milkman. Ah, the Milkman, Milk. And I saw the dude skipping in the hallway, man. So I um, asked teacher for a pass. And like, you know, me and him got to fight. I called him in the bathroom. We got to yeah. fighting and shit. And um, I put the dude in the coma. And that's what led, and I'm guessing he would have went to refer. Hence, like I say, yeah, I had, like I had this a straight up restraining order, bro. Like, mm -hmm. I got kicked out of Detroit public schools for mm -hmm. like I got it. I didn't get expelled or suspended. I got expunged. Yeah, a whole 365 uh, days. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know, I went and stayed like for a year with my aunt in Atlanta. This is crazy, man. She stayed in this subdivision, bro, and uh. <laughs> You know, uh, the little girl in the subdivision, man, T, you know. I don't know why they called her T. Same thing, almost repeat itself. Yep. And now you need to leave Atlanta. But no, it it wasn't that, but the way. thing about the T thing was that she was cold. Because I'm like, oh, man, this, this, this she was where I, like, got into Hindu girls. Like, mm. you know, like, like red dot Indians. Because here we not Indians here. Mm. You feel me? Because Columbus thought he was in India. You feel yeah. me? Right. So, like, that's why I got into And then... Anyway, long story short, come to find out, you know, when I was, like, in trouble for middle school, like, I dated Chili before she was, like, Chili, you feel mm. me? But it was, like, I was, like, I like Hindu girls now, like, mm. you know. But then, you know, I came back and um, thought I was going to go to Redford. They told me you can't go here. Mm -mm. Restrain the order against you, yup. And I ended up at Henry Ford. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that going to Henry Ford was, like, bro, like, I want to say, man, like, one of the best things that happened to me in my life, for real, bro. Because mm -hmm. I seen a lot, man. Like, like the hood was like, you know, being in Rosedale was like totally different. It's like it's grass on the curb. Mm -hmm. And we was totally like hood naive. We thought we didn't have to take the garbage out because wasn't no alley to take the garbage can to and shit. You feel me? We didn't know nothing about trucks come down the street to the curb. And all we knew was, we lived by the movies, because we would, you know, Easter, we, we would. Northwest. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we, we lived by the movies. We thought we was, like, the richest niggas in the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, um, got to Ford, um, met a lot of good people, man. Me and La Peace ended up being locker partners. Mm -hmm. Man, uh, yeah, like, met a lot of people, man, to start. You know, the entertainment thing was real heavy, because we wasn't necessarily running the streets, Cause the street wasn't like the, the streets off Seven Mile and like Evergreen and shit was not like the streets. <laughs> oh, really? Like Dexter, Linwood. Yeah, it was 12th. not like it was yeah, not I mean, like that's that. A different. It's, it's the culture's a little bit different. It, the, yeah, you know? that part. And, and, culture's a little bit different. The and people plus, are, move a little bit differently. Yeah, and mm -hmm. niggas got a little more over off Seven Mile than niggas got off Dexter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so with that, from high school, like hip hop. And, yeah. and where it was like when do you start developing your your rhyme skills cuz that's you know how I know you you know, you know? like um and like like in like right before the con it was like 7th grade and you know niggas was banging on the table or you beatboxing or whatever and like you know uh the diversity again of Condon I I lend that to my creativity cuz I already could draw mm -hmm. you feel me so but like meeting people in other cultures and having more stuff to talk about. And then um, my cousins would come visit us from Buffalo. So they would bring like the proverbial tape. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we was hearing music. I was hearing music that I want to say like my peers wasn't hearing at the time. 
Because, yeah. like, you know, here it was, like, everybody party to, like, Blondie, um, Nine Inch Nails, Duran Duran, Culture Club, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Thomas I mean, Dolby. It was, it was a mix of, like, New Wave. Yeah. Definitely, like, really house music. music. Yeah, and we didn't have that. Um, some starter techno. Right, right. You know, which led to Ghetto Tech, but that's a little bit after. After, right. So, you know, and, you know, just... Mm. um. Being exposed to it from them and the tapes that they would bring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just started, like, kind of, like, just acting silly. Because we know we, they'll leave us with tapes. And sometimes we acting silly, like, imitating. You feel me? And then uh, my cousin Red, um, he ended up being in the group. The Outrageous Boys. <laughs> O-R-B. Outrageous. Mm. Outrageous boys. That was like mm -hmm. they hook and they had like the ORB haircut. You get the fade, then you get the part, like mm -hmm. go all the way around your head and the, the ORB boys. And okay, you know that was like the first time really seeing somebody like tangibly in your face. You know they homies got the turntables and you know so they, they got the suede pumas and shit. Like and this is like around what time? Oh like, man, this is about like uh. 85, 86. So this, so this is before uh, Los and Easy B even. Well, I mean. Or like this is kind of like real close to that. Uh, I'm going to uh, say that uh, was. About the same time because mm -hmm. we didn't uh, uh, we didn't shoot out to Rosedale to about like um, 88, 89 okay. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we were still like in the hood, you know what I mean? And then when we moved out to like Rosedale, it was like. You know, he wasn't around his rap group, mm -hmm. you feel me? So he had, like, pretty much, like, stopped rapping. But then, like, you know, we had, like, the music video box back then. So we could, I was calling up because I wanted to still hear, like, the mixtapes and stuff like that and kind of see what was new and keep following along. And then um, uh, uh, my homeboy, uh, my homeboy Jay, his brother used to rap. And me and Jay used to dance for him. And then, you know. Like breakdance, pop locking, what? I mean, what, like, uh, uh, remember like Scoob, it's not like Scoob and Scrap? Yeah. From like Big Daddy Big Kane, Daddy Kane or, or, or like Fendi and then with SOS, with EPMD, mm -hmm. yeah. or like the brand Nubian dancers, stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dependent, hey, if I'm still in parties, depending upon the age of you people, know, so you I got some you, chill come well, off. You people might get it. Do, 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 people do, do, hit the you got some chill dance. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 Ain't that the truth, the, the Steve Martin? The Steve <laughs> but uh, so you know, um, uh, Chill Easy. That was mm -hmm. uh, Jay's brother name. Okay. And you know he he knew Los and them and all that. You know. Yeah. And this was like by this time, you know, we're in Rosedale by this time. So so when does it get real for you beyond um, the dancing? Like, what was the transition? Man. Uh, <laughs> Being related to Christopher Williams, my cousin on my dad's side of the family and shit, right? Don't wake me, I'm dreaming, Christopher Williams. Yeah, we used to talk New shit Jack about City. this nigga, about that fucking song, too. Like, and then that's the song that blew up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, then he come around like, yeah, nigga. Mm -hmm. He got like the Charlie Murphy attitude, like, yeah, nigga. Now nah, what? But anyhow, we, uh, me and Amir, me and my uh, old rap partner, Amir, we was started off as dance partners. Amir, and not merciless Amir. No, 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 no. My man Amir from uh from Homegrown. Uh, me, him, and La Peace used to be a rap group. We was called uh, 
the ghetto mites. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> but uh, we used to dance, man. And we were like, you know, we'd be like dancing, doing like ladies' night out or coach for kids and mm -hmm. get up and go to school the next morning because ladies' night out always, always was on a Thursday. So we'd get up and go to school on Friday and we got all this money we made from just being like backup dancers. Mm -hmm. And then it occurred to us like, damn, man, we were throwing each other around, flipping and jumping off stage, doing the splits and shit. And like we breaking the sweat, sneaking out the pussy though. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So we decided to like just get in front of the mic, mm -hmm. and we already knew like DJing or production because we would make mixtapes of songs that we liked it to dance to, so we could rehearse our routines. And so we just uh, started doing mixtape things and just you know kind of writing lyrics and stuff to get into the to get to the front of the stage to get the easy money and the girls <laughs> so what's the first show you remember uh early on you mean like rapping yeah wow um club international mm. uh uh k solo mm. with uh amg and his homeboy uh big blue big blue jazz or something like that Okay. And we are open for how did them. You, uh, how did you get that? How did y'all get the plug? Um, uh, my cousin, who I didn't know was my cousin at the time. This was Amir's uncle through marriage, right? And me and him related on my dad's side of the family, which was crazy. And uh, not Amir, but his yeah. uncle through marriage, which I found out was my cousin. When I found out Chris was my, Chris Williams was my cousin. Mm -hmm. You feel me? And... Um, he would plug, he was our manager, he would plug us. Because his mother was uh, Susie Garrett uh, mm. from Punky Brewster, mm. the black girl's grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, she 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 from the L, too. She from Linwood, too. Okay. Marla Gibbs, too. Marla Gibbs from the D, too. She from the I L, too. I did know that. You know what I'm saying? Know that. I did know that. <laughs> yep. yeah. And you know Elijah Muhammad, he at NFL, too. He a nigga mm. from Linwood, too. He mm. from the L, too. I definitely know <laughs> the start of uh, the start of Nation of Islam. Yeah, um, and, and Far Muhammad and, and, and the teachings um, right on. date back to that. So yeah, indeed. so with that first show, from there, I mean, many iterations happened. Yeah, you've, indeed. You've witnessed and been a part of like a lot of this growth in hip hop and yeah. stayed with it. Yeah. Um, what do you love most about hip hop? Oh man, um, you know, free expression, right? Not like because like we never was owned. Even when we did Homegrown, we had our own label, publishing, production company. So it was like, what we did with Homegrown, you know, all the way to the barcode and like, because we wanted our shit in Sam Goody. We wanted our shit in Harmony House and the major record stores, you feel me? Mm -hmm. As opposed to just Damon's and Chantonique's and Chauncey's, because mm -hmm. we wanted to get, we wanted to be able to have worldwide exposure. Because we never approached this, like, okay, we're going to be the hottest niggas in the D. We was looking at our peers being the motherfuckers we was opening for. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When we would, you know, when when, when uh, my man Uncle KC would, when KC rather would book us for shows and stuff like that. So we was chasing down the the the, the, the industrial aspect of it. What uh, in that um, on that journey? What did you learn? Because Ooh, just wow. when I think of. Um, my journey in hip hop, it's a lot of lessons learned. Yes. But this also is true. like that kinship and that brotherhood sometimes Ooh. can be 
you know, it, it's, it's learned lessons, and then it can be broken lessons. Yeah, those it can things. Be, um, Man. You know, what what was that like in that pursuit of um, of taking this journey on through brotherhood? Man, uh, it was it was wild, like, because, uh, you know, uh, I met Amir. We met through, we, I went in Ford. We met through a, a mutual friend of ours. He called himself DJ Paco, right? He was black. We don't know why he called himself Paco, but this nigga was like from Brightmo. He was black. Mm -hmm. Ed, uh, uh, Edward, I can't remember Edward, Ed, Ed, Ed last name, right? But he was like, man, you know, you need to kick it with my man because he be doing the same thing you be doing, but he be at the other door because I'll just be dropping knowledge at the door on the side of the school and the mirror be at the front of the school dropping knowledge. So when he put us together, we kind of clicked. Like I was an Ansar, he was Nation of Islam, mm -hmm. but... You know, it was like everything was on this unification path back then. And, like, I'm still building brotherhood shit. So mm -hmm. his mom uh, married her fiancé, boom, moved to the east side. So now I'm catching the bus, like, from, you know, Six Mile and Evergreen to fucking Whittier and Harper mm -hmm. for us to still work on music, you know I'm what I'm saying? thinking about the bus routes to take from that. I'm thinking that's, like, Six Mile downtown, downtown to... Harper, that's a long bus Oh, no, because we, we just take six miles straight across because uh, after you pass the, what is that, that, it's a graveyard over there, I think, like. I all, mean, near the airport and all that stuff. But yeah, like, when, but when, it, when, the, when it loop yeah, around, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't convenient to say the least, you know, mm -hmm. but it was like, you know, the brother. I mean, that's the grind. Yeah, yeah indeed. So, indeed. So, so with this, that connection, but I'm just saying like more so like what are some of the things that kept you committed because I know along your journey, a lot of people, you know, get on the train, get off the, get train, the train, get on the train, man. get off the train. Uh, man, this is my NBA, man. I love this game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like uh, 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 somebody that's good at sports, right, once they get too old, if you will, to play the, to play the game, you don't necessarily have to leave the game alone. You could be a player development coach, a team manager, a team owner, you get into promoting, you you feel me? So it's other aspects to entertainment. Cause like I know I know this game like from the front of the mic to behind the board you at the light board, the soundboard, plugging all the stuff in, building the stage, rocking the stage. Cause you know, I used to do audio visual when I was at uh, Henry Ford, mm. and it was just 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 a thing about that. Um, the, like the thing that I never, the thing that keep me going is the energy exchange with the people. So. So with it, what would you say have been some of your biggest highs uh, connected to hip hop? Man, <laughs> man, uh, squirrel from the dramatics telling me uh, you gotta use everybody, but you don't misuse nobody. That's deep. You gotta use everybody, but you don't misuse nobody. That's the deep. Because the people you see on your way up gonna be the same people you see on your way down. What have been some of the lows? Oh man, uh, lost friendships. Mm. Um, what do you think? And, and let's pause there for a second because that happens in creativity. Indeed. And really, and, and like when people say, oh man, you're really into business, it's like to me, business is another creative expression. Right. Where do you think a lot of those creative differences come when you look to do something, where you, where you look to combine energies, energies. and create something? What, why? Why do friendships sometimes dissolve in that in those misunderstandings? From my experience, which sounds really personal, you feel me? But, but I mean, I want the person. From my experience, uh, everybody don't have the ability to separate business from personal. 
how do you do that? Well, if me and you have a business, something that don't go good with the business, that don't mean we can't be friends. Mm -hmm. That just means the business thing didn't go good. You feel me? Now, if you fucked it up, and, you know, it costed me a lot, you know, like, you know, uh, then that's a different effect. But it, it, it's a difference. It's a big difference between business and, and, and personal. So when things go bad personally, that don't mean you can't handle business if it's business on the floor. Because, like you said, creativity is business. And once you create something, you're responsible for what you create. And, and I also found it. Because I, I mean, in this ideology, and I know so many creatives, I love being around that creative energy. Right. But when I was younger, this was sometimes thoughts that I'd have. And I know this may be thoughts I'm sure you run into. The whole concept of um, it's all or nothing. I don't oh, have a plan man. B. This is all I do is my creativity. And I'm putting my heart into this. Hence... <laughs> By onboarding and engaging yeah, and, and yeah. sharing your creativity. <laughs> and we may be at this, like, we've built up so much pressure. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, and you know, it can make diamonds. But right. with it, it still is a lot of well, pressure with some people. Why do you think, usually it's a younger person that thinks that, but why <laughs> do you think that that thought process is so pervasive as if, like, this is all I'm doing and everything I'm doing matters more right now than well, like later later on down the line. When you, I, I still want to say, be, even in our youth, when we was entertaining, we had um, the blessing of a manager that was close to the industry, knew what was required of you to be in the industry, and was grooming us with an industry standard. You know, so a lot of things that we would see our peers that was just purely in uh, uh, open mic or, you know, cypher style music making, mm -hmm. it would be things that we wouldn't see eye to eye on working with projects with a lot of people, which led to not having a bunch of projects with a lot of people. It would be um, them not understanding why we're doing what we're doing is not to upstage nobody, but this is where we are even remove the butt but this is not to upstage nobody this is our training and for us to get where we're going with this this is how hard we have to go and so people we used to you know people feel like oh you trying y'all trying to upstage us or y'all trying to be better than us and i'm like well i mean it's a competitive sport you know you're not supposed to just bully nobody but we're in this to we're in this for for notoriety your fan base, the attention that you get from people, the money, whatever you want to look at, it all comes from notoriety. The energy share, like I said, comes from notoriety. People don't take notice of you. They're not directing the energy in that centripetal energy share. And it's a healing process, too. As you heal people, you heal yourself. And a lot of people just, I guess they didn't have that uh, training and or didn't have anybody around them to say, listen, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. You don't do a show without rehearsing. You don't write songs in the studio. You lay songs in the studio. You know what I'm saying? Because th those things are like cash efficient and time efficient. So us being teenagers, being groomed by somebody who understood the inner workings of the industry, they gave us our training at that level. So we went into the creation with those ideals, and I guess it was... 
you know, people just wasn't comfortable with, like, you know, uh, just nigga young like me, what the fuck he know, you know? So, so with that, I mean, you, you've seen the metamorphosis so much just even in yourself and in Detroit hip-hop. So I'm going to throw some names at you. <laughs> and I just want, like, either a story or, uh, wow. or some words. This going to be fun. You know, because yeah. <laughs> it, it's some, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing so much other community stuff. I do business stuff. Right. But hip-hop was my origination right. into, like, a launch pad for me. Right. To build confidence to engage in certain things. Right. Indeed. So, it's, And it's certain OGs that I got from this hip hop that just always exist. So first name I'm throwing at you, Ant Live. Oh, man. What Boom Back King, Ant Live. Yep. Uh, Ant Live. I mean, when I went to Houston to visit my mom, I actually plugged in with Ant Live. You feel me? Okay. Yep. So, you know, that guy, he, he's a character with the Skeletor shit, not the sewer shit, though. But but what about his creativity? Just Oh, man, his creativity wise. and music-wise is like, you know, just, what's the name of his crew? Boom Bap Kings. I mean, that mm-hmm. says it all. And, like, you know, like I said, I went by his crib, but, like, you know, he got this studio set up, you know, the booth in the closet and, mm-hmm. you know, MP and shit like that at the crib. And so, yeah, Ant Live, yeah, he, he pretty cool. He pretty cool. And he's super creative, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're saying, like with the Skeletor shit, like yeah, yeah, you sure. know what I'm saying, <laughs> like that's creative, man. <laughs> um, and, and in that same vein of Ishan. Oh man, Ishan was like um, the only, as far as I knew, Ishan was like I would see Ishan when I, I would be around Ishan when like me and Dilla would be at the strip club, and Ishan mm-hmm. was at the strip club. Cause like mm-hmm. Dilla on the type of nigga, like, oh that's the nigga Eshawn man, fuck that nigga. Like we'd be in there just like three niggas in the strip club. It's a mm-hmm. strip club, you mm-hmm. feel me? And that was as far as I knew him. But like his music was like, but once you never again, really built with him. Yeah, I ain't never really kicking so with him me, or built with him like that. Let me keep going down the list, then. Okay. Rest in peace, proof. Oh man, that nigga Sean Baby. Ooh, we was in the ODR together. We was in Wheat Bread together. The, he was in uh, 5E. Of course, Dilla, Batin, and, and T3 was in Slum Village, and we was homegrown, and we all would do shows together. Like, we would be at the Outcast talking about meditation and levitation, and this pussy-eating and dick-sucking contest, and coke all over the table and shit at the Outcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were the super spiritual, you know, incense-smelling niggas. <laughs> what, what? What about P? Because when I think about a lot of game that I got, and it's so unique when I think about, damn, man, rest in peace, proof. Um, he was such a, like, he embodied so much of a Detroit spirit because yeah. he had so many different relationships with, with different so people. With so many di- but no, And, like, and then different the wavelengths. So, like, people, like, you may know proof and you sell a story where it's like, that is not that the is key not that the I know. I know them. Listen, listen. And then this person tells a story, and it's like, where? But it was he. It was that. It was cool as mellow proof. It was big, boisterous, super big, green, furry, Kango proof. Mm-hmm. Then it was T Rex jumping on your back, biting you proof. Then it was snot bubble proof. You feel mm-hmm. me? So, but you know that once again, somebody else that was um, super creative. You know, and, and I still think like he was one of the, he was such a like glue to so much of Detroit hip hop because he fucked with everybody, because he was, like, bro. Such a cross the spectrum. Yeah, he 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 kicked it with everybody. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and and he kicked it with everybody. And 
one thing the proof would do was was like that made the city dope because his idea was the more people that we show the way the sweeter the city will be because we wanted our new york scene to like rival like new york like who do who, who didn't want the hip-hop scene to rival new york i'm quite mm -hmm. sure delta funky homo sapien and hieroglyph was like our city gonna rival new york from california anyhow uh he had this thing like you know the dope the more dope mcs we have in the city the doper the city will be and the more attention we'll get mm -hmm. for rappers and hip-hop heads more so than rappers you feel me and um you know he he would like people would freestyle for us was free, freestyle for him and he'd be like, okay, yeah, that's dope. Try this, though. And try this. Work on your delivery. Work on your voice. And he'd, give, he'd give random people, like, tips and pointers for them to develop and grow as an artist more creatively and settle into a comfort zone. And we'd be out and people see him again. He'd be like, hey, man, thanks for telling me that. And, yo, check out how far I've grown. And spit for him again like that. So, you know, Proof was a very um, integral part of Detroit hip-hop, especially Detroit hip-hop being, dare I to say, accepted by, like, the street cats. Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, a lot of street cats didn't even fuck with this. Oh, y'all niggas think y'all from New York, and, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. and all that. But it was a few cats that rolled on. T. Stucky fucked with us, you know what I'm saying? Marcy Ski fucked with us, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Chaos and Maestro fucked with, like, the hip-hop niggas, as we was called back then, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So... And, and then even with that scene, um, mm -hmm. what about the spaces and places? As I threw Ooh. some names at you, um, the spaces and places. And then to me, some of it is romanticized because some of it I saw. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Where it's right. like, okay, I don't know if it was like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, nah, like, rabbit. Oh, man, it wasn't it was like, like that, nah, rabbit. Nah, nah, nah. Nope. Like, <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is a little bit of extra on it. Right. But it still was a um, a culture connected to it. Yeah, uh, indeed. Wh what do you think? Now, as like, and you you kind of split the baby because I still <laughs> see it as all to get like street rap. Oh yeah, for um, sure. As they say, backpack rap, like well, we, revolutionary rap, yeah. uh, Christian rap. Like to me, it's all a form of expression. Bars and is bars, if bro. If you package the song right, how it's delivered, right, then I can still it can be palatable, right. And then the right rap song just hits me in a different wavelength. Yeah. Then, as much as I love all forms of music, right. Then other forms of music, right. I mean, um, the Boogie Monsters were Christians, bro. The mm -hmm. Boogie Monsters. Everybody thought they was like some esoteric metaphysicists. Mm -hmm. The niggas was straight up Christians. Mm -hmm. You feel me? But they approach, they expression, and how they express their hip hop was like, you know, it. It was down yeah, that line right. of what the metaphysics people or, or you know, the, the deep spiritual people would would feel and, and resonate to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like spots, man. Oh man. One two one two. One two one two used to be at the address was twelve twelve seven mile. Mm -hmm. So it was just perfect for a hip hop spot. One two one two. Mm -hmm. You know, and then um that was Armageddon and like cricket or some shit like that. It was like an open mic there, and they had it was a sports bar, so it was like already like the dance floor already had like a ring, boxing ring type of look to it. Mm -hmm. So instead of the cipher, they had the ring, and then I remember Juan Shannon had the spot. I think that was on like Woodward, like near like Seven Mile or something like where that the um the the the, the Winans Church is. I think it was like mm -hmm. somewhere over there, and then uh, of course you know the hip hop shop and like Stanley's. Uh, Ebony Showcase, 
And like Stanley's the original Rhythm Kitchen, like before they came and, you know, made uh, the joint uh, downtown the Rhythm Kitchen, like Stanley's over on, uh, what's that, Baltimore, Milwaukee, on, on Milwaukee, mm-hmm. they was, the Stanley's was like, like the first, from what I know, like what Mo yeah. and the Ox was, not the Ops, but the Ox, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the Muslims, the, the Akis, mm-hmm. the Ox, what they was doing was like, it was nothing like that here. And it, it was a real, like, really strong communal community setting. Like when you first walk into Stanley's, there's like this, table like this laid out you know and it's like niggas got t-shirts and comic books they didn't drew up by hand and you know made the pages and all that shit at kinkos and shit and incense and oils and mixtapes then you spend your money to get into the spot and it was like open everything the dance floor was open the mic was open it was even like open tables with like dez and cats like that from like uh dez and like the 12 tech mob and them they would come and like bring crates and like you could jump on the turntables and like they would rotate DJ. It was just so communal that, you know what I'm saying? Nobody, it didn't even really have a host because it was like nobody would be overbearing rocking the mic, man. It was like a really, it was a fucking utopia, man. <laughs> so as things shifted from that to really the, I think the key thing that pivoted so much of this, mm-hmm. even with street rap, digital. As things have shifted digital, what right do you on. think has been some of the holdup? in my mind of like holding on to an honoring tradition, but also recognizing that things are delivered in a different way. Um, The gift and the curse of digitizing music is that what used to take this whole room is could fit into a fucking Mac screen (laughs) for, you know what I'm saying? As far as recording, and like the simplicity of editing, Cause like when we did the homegrown shit, we thought like we gonna cut costs, we gonna edit our own shit, and nigga take a five minute song and turn it to an interlude real quick, fucking with them scissors trying to edit your own shit. So now you could do all this click and drag shit, and I think that um, that community aspect and the um, the um, the effort of creation is lost. You understand? Cause like. Back in the day, like, when we got together to do music, right, everybody had to get together in the studio at the same time, right? And now it's like Joe can make a beat. I could be in fucking Oregon somewhere. You could be in Dubai. Mm -hmm. He could email me the beat. I drop a verse. We've never even seen each other, but we're on the song together. Mm -hmm. And so that that community setting is not there where people kind of come together and share that mental space, share that creative space, share that physical space, and share that flow of creative energy. And so I think like a lot of the oomph and what we knew as music like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you gonna hear another scenario from somebody out now, cause they all was together in that, hey we go, yo, say what's all that energy. Like, you know, like even with like the Temptations, like imagine what they sessions was like for every sound you hear, every different instrument tentatively, you feel me? It's a different person. Then you got the vocalists, background singers, they a community, they might not agree on something in the song, but they girls is out shopping with the kids for groceries. They like, listen, I'm ready for that record to be over. Why don't you tell this nigga go on and just do the song that way? And you get other ideas and creativity get imparted. But now it's just so personal because it's digital. So it's like one dude can do everything from his chair in front of his screen. So the community aspect 
is what got lost. But the convenience of it, though, as a nigga coming from the analog age, is like you don't have to spend all this money to like $1,200 for the glass plate to get the aluminum plate to get the vinyl that you're going to give away for free for promo. Or, you know, $300 for 150 cassettes that you're going to give away for free and not turn the profit off of. Now I could create a song and directly shoot it out to the demographic because we have the internet there that give us algorithms and numbers of who's into what I'm making. So it made the marketing aspect really easy and uh, especially for like an independent artist where you didn't have to go through all of the red tape and financial <laughs> horrors <laughs> now that you had to go through back then because like you know shipping and handling then you want to have insurance on the record in case it get broke while you sending it out to djs or labels you know test presses and test press get broke because you're running it around everywhere so you know it, it bought a lot of convenience in but it um it bought a lot of set it bought a lot of division in too. Not so much a division, but it bought a lot of uh, isolation. That's the word. It bought a lot of isolation in, where you know cats could just do everything from one spot, and it don't require the crew or that buddy or homie brotherhood sisterhood type of situation. So that that leads us to the project you're working on now, Black Cloud, um, with Joe Black, as I mentioned earlier. Yes. Uh, what's special about this? What what Ooh. what will people get? Um, you know what I really like about this is like uh, like I think like the only frivolous joint on there is like Earl Flynn because it's like you know Menage a Trois girl shit song you feel me, but all the rest of it is like um, you know uh, you know my dad was a my dad still ended up being a heroin addict right, mm. so for the life of me I couldn't understand what the fuck this dope had. Where it's like, you know, my, me and my mama wasn't important to this nigga no more, right? And uh, one day we was looking for samples and I put on fucking What's Going On and I got the headphones on and listened to Marvin Gaye flying high in the friendly skies. And I finally understood, wow, that's what that shit is like. And then uh, that was when I understood that there's a responsibility that we have as writers. And it's to talk about the stuff that people are going through to help them get through the day, to help them get over that hump, to help them get over that water. Because we healers, you know what I'm saying? And you can use your words to build, you can use them to destroy. And with this, recording with Joe was just a way for me to use my words to really, you know, heal myself and lifting some things up off of me and, you know, to really, you know, give some, give people something they can listen to that can relate to, and you know, try to help them get over some things. You know, like just sharing thoughts and ideas that that I had, but just wasn't around people who were liberal enough. I want to say to where it'd be okay to rap like that. You know, like I don't gotta shoot nobody in the face. I don't got knows nothing about coke. Ain't no Dracos, ain't no expensive cars or nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's just real life, real life hip hop. It's real life music, you know? That's unique. And um, and when you speak about struggling with uh, with heroin addiction, mm. especially facing like the opioid crisis as people label yeah. it. Uh, it's unique because opium as a plant in different communities has been used as a healing mechanism right but sometime 
in uh, sometime uh, in the I want to say it was at the 1600s. No, 1700s. Mm-hmm. You have um, it turning into a commodity to sell. Yeah. Um, that commodity to sell. So, like, a lot of times people wonder, like, what's going on and and, and why China suppressed things. Um, yeah, because. Chinese leadership uh, specifically um, ousted most Western countries. Right. Well, you know, as they Cause, say, cause like the, the dirty white dance. man because yeah, of the proliferation right of at the time the british crown and the right. british company this is true of distributing opium opium throughout china yep and it was such a crisis uh in china at the right. point where uh it took it took years to get them off decades that. Yeah. To, to to change that yeah and and when people talk about like an opium high um, as we see the tragedies of what hap- what's happening with fentanyl right now, especially which yeah, they say right. is like heroin like time killing 10. people, right? Um, and, and you must know how to even ingest it. You gotta know how um, to handle and, and, it. And right like, now, a lot of heroin is getting stretched with opium. Um, it's a drug that's a depressant. Yeah, you know, and so many people carry things, and that depressant finds a space and place in the in the hearts and minds of some right. where where th- where people um you know stay there i mean right. alcohol is another depressant too. oh I yeah man more, spirits more uh um, f- f- food and spirits you know what uh, i mean uh, amongst things but you know um we i i think growing up me being born in 82 it's a it's a painted lens of like yeah. the black community was just so messed up when crack got here there were waves uh, of heroin that, that ran into it prevalent yep. throughout the black community oh, man, cause even before for, that, like, for generations. Yes. Even with the methadone clinics in yes. the 70s. There you go. Uh, it, it was said to be, I, I just, I'm fresh. I've been watching a lot of documentaries, and that's right. why I'm on this diatribe. Because <laughs> um, I'm preparing to make some documentary pieces myself. So I'm, I'm getting in that space. But I watched a documentary about Sergeant Ike Atkinson. Mm-hmm. who was the sergeant that provided heroin for Frank Lucas. Because I was always interested, like, who was this and guy? Because the, the way they that? said this story, it's like, this guy has to be way more, no offense to Frank Lucas's story, right, but to but he me, gotta be way his more story seems way than more interesting dude. than this guy. And, um, and, and 15%, 15% <laughs> wow. of the soldiers, they say, as documented, yeah. came back from Vietnam, On white, dope. black, or whatever, with an addiction to heroin. Yep. Um, which caused a, 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 a rising in heroin sales throughout. Oh, especially in the seventies, as everybody came home. Yes. You know what I'm saying. And it, even the forties, as they say, like hence jazz clubs. Yeah, yeah. Jazz clubs at a point in time, an asterisk was this is where you, you could, could buy heroin. heroin yep, because that you know, that grew out of like the the the, the opium dens in, yes. in in the West Coast and stuff like that, and you know because like. Heroin's like cocaine. It started off as like a um uh uh what they call it? Um Well, all of them started off as medical drugs in it, America. Exactly. It, 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 it started exactly. off as you know, I mean like both of them. It's like you can take this and a lot of this being marketed to quote unquote the housewife. It's yeah, like right. take this 
to basically go down. Yeah. Hence the, the opium. Yep. <laughs> and yep. take this, this the cocaine, to get, back to up. get up. Yep. You end up in this in, interesting it, balance. And I think many celebrities get caught up in that. Struggle in that. And then when you when you when you crystallize and take the snapshot, and I mean rest in peace to so many that struggle with the as they say, the dope sicknesses. But um but the pressures that pull yeah. on a lot of people to be up or down, up or down, down up right. and down, up right. and down. And this little bit of substance can add well, a little bit. And then yeah, with the heroin, though, usually unlike a cocaine or even a marijuana right. or other highs, the way things are cut, people will seek a specific type. Right. A specific, like, it's it's a, the addiction is is a very... Strong Shit, man, it's, addiction. Uh, it's uh, people I know that use heroin is like it is different than using coke because coke don't become a part of you. Mm-hmm. See, like you know when they body is thrashing around and shit like that, and they having like seizures, it's because. This shit like merge like attaches to your like genetic code, so your body is thinking like it's missing something. Yeah. Until you uh, get the remnants of it out of your system, uh, or as method, they say, detox or the methadone, the methadone clinics, clinics yeah. were needed to give like minimal doses. Yeah, <laughs> just to, to shake it. Well, you know th- the solutions that I mean. Shout out to um, the work of the Nation of Islam mm-hmm. in their in their clinics, right? Of, to get of people recovery. off that, right? And their work in recovery, right? Was was instrumental. And, 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 and really was one of the key access points, points. to granting access to right. Harlem's and Philadelphia's right. and Chicago's. To, to, to help clean those areas out. up. Yes. And to literally clean it up because, like you said, they have recovery centers, not treatment centers. Because mm-hmm. if I'm treating you, I'm never curing you. I'm just giving you something to get you to the next treatment. But to recover, that's the cure. We're going to recover who you were. I'm not just going to treat who you are now. Let's get you back to who you were. Then let's take that person and make them the best they could be. You know what I mean? Because, like, for them to be, like you say, Cash was, was drug addicts in the streets. But next thing next thing you see them, they got a business suit on. They back straight. They got a bow tie on. They got an overcoat on. got a fedora. They got a briefcase. Because there was a lot of business that Elijah had going back Most then. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, you know, just on the strength of just the logistic of just the logistics of them selling sardines. This nigga had ships, docks, motherfuckers to run the ship, fishermen. It was a, it was there were two Nation of Islam airports. Exactly. You that feel most me? people don't know about. And but so, like a lot of the fishing and porting businesses were were directly connected to this. Um, exactly. But I, I, I also want to it's it's unique that even as this age as a grown man, mm-hmm. this is something that's still in your heart, the struggles of your father's addiction and trying to answer those questions. Right. It's something you are exploring even to today. Yeah. Like, so like generationally, when you think of even now, a lot of young people mm-hmm. in homes recognizing it and, and, and seeing, right. You know, parents struggle with yeah, what for could sure. be addiction. What, you know, how does that, how did that carry on you for so long to even bring I, into this now? I didn't see, like, growing up, because, like, you know, my dad's birth mom told me that, you know, my dad left because of shame. He didn't want my uh, me and my mom to see him 
in that space. Yeah, because like even my uncles would tell me was like, I tell my uncle like, man, tell me about my dad. He'd be like, man, your dad was a cool motherfucker, man. He he give motherfucker shirt off his back, like literally, like they was out somewhere. Dude got in the fight, tore his shirt. They was about to leave. My uncle like my dad took his shirt off and say, here, man, cover yourself up, so the dude wouldn't get kicked out of the discotheque or whatever back then. But he was like, he was like, you know, my uncle told me also like, you know, when that shit was in him. You couldn't leave a fucking wood nickel around. He was like, it was like two different people in in one body. And my mama said the same too. She was like, you know, he was like the, the sweetest person, but she was like, you know, when that shit was in him, it was like he was a different person. And then she was like, you know, when as I got older and could start understanding things, just as a shorty doo-wop, you know what I'm saying? That shame. So like he left, you know, and you know, he came back and like like showed me like, cause he could draw too. He could draw and he uh, would do leather, leather crafting. Mm-hmm. Like he would carve leather and make wallets and bags. And he had this belt where he had carved the whole Zodiac like, like around the belt. And then he had like his nickname Skippy, you feel me? Was uh, carved in like calligraphy, like in the back part. So he showed me like some artwork shit. And um, like, fuck, I remember nigga like fucking We's going to get like some, the fucking chocolate dip fucking Twinkies, man. I just remember I wanted fucking chocolate dip Twinkies, like, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a Twinkie head. He's, he's a Twinkie. Was, and so, uh, you know, we was leaving to go to the store, man, and some motherfuckers killed him. Mm-hmm. Right. And, just, you know, as I got older, I came to find out he got killed because he sold somebody some fake dope to go get some real dope. So, so you were there as your father was murdered? Yeah, man, you know, and I wow. was like seven, man. Hmm. And it was like, that's why I was saying, like, you know, the therapy of like this record with Joe, because like I finally like really got a chance to discuss that, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a joint where like it's called uh, Pressures of Life. And I kind of talk like about like, I feel like I got this special relationship with death because like, I seen my father get killed, then I got shot and had a brush with death. My mama went crazy, like, oh my God, you're gonna die like your father and you shot dude. But I didn't, luckily for me. But then like my daughter was stillborn. And so like I had never like mm. spoke about that. And like, but to, you know, when I recorded that and was able to talk about those things, amongst, you know, other issues that a, that a nigga have, like, you know, uh, being street but woke though. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like, oh, I go sell crack, then go meditate. It's like, no, I remember what it's like before I changed my life. And I remember nobody came to help. You understand me? I remember it was like the the, 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 the clean-cut Christians didn't reach back to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I remember, like, you know, a, a lot of the older Nation of Islam heads was in our hood growing up didn't really reach back to us. The cast that reached back to us was like, you know, um, but the, the, the Moors that grew up across the street from us, Bruce L, Brock L, Curtis L, you feel me? And it was like, they saw us as we was young niggas in the streets and they like, would talk to us about culture and stuff like that. So to be that type of person for cats who need it, nah, the brothers and sisters who need it, nah. Cause sometimes you just need to know that you're not the only one going through this fucked up situation. And then you need to hear how I'm dealing with it in a positive manner. 
and it pass on that how to deal with it. Cause everybody going through shit, but everybody don't deal with shit the same way. So the people that can deal with shit in a positive way, if they could pass that positive way of dealing on, just piece by piece, bit by bit, the world becomes a better place. That's deep. That's deep. And um, yeah, I, I'm very interested in hearing, uh, seeing where we at. Oh man, now yeah. We, we at the end. I'm gonna hit you with the classic Detroit is difference. So, <laughs> very first car you're making model. What year you get it? Whoo man. <laughs> Uh, 2001, uh, with the year I got it, my very okay. first car, new car, and it was, uh, um, uh, Plymouth Voyager. Okay. So it was a 2001 and 2001. No, it, it, it was a 2000, it was, the car was 2000. But you but, got uh, it in 2000. I got you. Yep, I got you. Plymouth Voyager and, um. Yeah, I found out you could have like pounds of weed in the minivan, and the police will never fucking pull you over. Because I didn't put no rims on; it was just everyday hubcaps. I kept it mm -hmm. KISS. <laughs> where was the first place you went when you got it? Who? Where was the first place I went when I got my van? Outside of work the next morning. Mm -hmm. uh, World One Studios up there with DJ Los. Because ah. I, I worked at Stellar Images right up the street from okay. uh, World One Studios. I lived in Rosedale at the time. That's you know what I mean? Yep. That and, was and shout out, uh, you know, Butch, that's my. Oh, what? The OG? That's my OG. Triple man. O, double O, quadruple. Hey, like, this is big. Love Los too, but love Butch. And Butch, I'm. I'm I'm gonna get you back on soon. I saw your best. And you know, they just gave Bush, Bush the like, lifetime achievement joint. Oh, man, I well, love man, Bush, man, well deserved, oh, man. man. It, any and all praise that Bush, Bush Small, World <sighs> One Records, yep. uh, master percussionist, what? Uh, funkadelic, sound Uzi inventor. Collins, <laughs> uh, right now, the the manager with the, with four four times the four times. And was, uh, was the music director for Death Row, like rival, the Death uh, Row you want to love, Death Row, all of that, all the that, whole man, nine. Love, man, love yeah, when I was up there, man, um, Big Gene used to be like, man, John C, man, you know you. Man, you 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 talented, baby, but you know we we trying to sign the next Tupac, man. We fucking Hilarious. with Death Row, baby. You know Hilarious. you 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 know you you doing all this common sense shit, and, and I, I, I I know you love it, but you got to make a choice. And I was like, you know, man, I I really I don't want to do that. Yeah, that's not the message I want to put to my people. And you know, Gene kept it real. He was like, you know what? I respect that. So you be here tomorrow. So he wasn't. He was like, "Oh, you ain't doing no gangster shit. Get the fuck out of here!" Uh, but it was it was a growth and development thing. It was a, you need somewhere to shine, you need somewhere to grow. And once again, having that professional edge really like, you know, opened a lot of doors for me. So um, from there, next question: You're the DJ at the fireworks. Mm. Uh, what were the Jefferson? It just ended. What three songs you playing? Whoo! Mm, mm, mm. Damn. Um. Alleys of Your Mind. Mm. Uh, ooh. Mm. <laughs> the Scenario Remix with Hood on it. Okay. And um, I think probably the third one probably would be like um, um, Slum Village, Get This Money. Okay. All right. And you can rename what word after one Detroit or who would it be and why? Who we? Oh, fuck, man. You play hard ball, bro. Um. Mm. 
Man, if I could rename Woodward after one fucking person, who and why, man, um, wow, man. You know what? Malik Yakini, bro. Ah, I love about Malik. Yep. Man, Malik always kept it real with me. I mean, one time I asked Malik, like, you know, man, like, you know, bro, like, what made you stay in the struggle so long? I was ready to give up on our people. Like, man, these niggas want coke and 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 and, and meth and and liquor, and they don't want no culture. And I was just—he was ever so calm with me. He was like, "Well, you know, brother, you know, you just got to get to the point where you change your life, and the people around you that see it and they want to be that way, they change their life too." He was like, "You get to the point where you realize you're not going to be able to save the world." Because I was like, you know, 20-something, like, mm. coming out of that 19, oh, I'm going to save the world, just having mm. that realization, like, the niggas is niggas and hoes is hoes. You feel me? Mm. And, you know, so, yeah, Malik Yakini, and plus, like, you know, having the Sodoma, the Sodoma Institute, the principles of the Sodoma Institute, and as many times as it moved around, you know what I'm saying, and it's, it's state African studies, and to go from teach the children their culture, teach the children their history, to an uh, urban farm, to a supermarket in the food desert, bro. Uh, so, so I mean, he's, yeah. He's on my, uh, he's on my high list of like, who I look to, uh, Baba Malik, it's a couple. Yeah. Uh, Baba Malik, Mama Neb. Yeah. Um, I just like, like when people look at what I'm doing, and different people have opinions, and I've only met him a couple times. I never even really built with him, but just the vision of and in, in the, in the striking independence of Tyree Guyton. It's like oh, man. what he's done with with, with our installations. Area I see over me there. doing with media, yeah. And what I want to do out here with a lot of studio. It's like you can do this yeah. in a space where it disorients right what people I mean, think will exist here. And then you come here, you know, and then like, people respect it differently. Like, right. it's a platform and premise. But if I didn't have a standard of, and obviously, like, my family, my father, my yeah, grandmother, right. my mother. But outside of my family, for, for people that really know, like, Tyree, uh, Dobbles, mm -hmm. Mama Neb, uh, Malik Yakini, yeah. and uh, Mama and Gia. Like, it's certain yeah. people that are, like, doing things in a way. Mama Shu, yeah. where it's like, damn, it can be done. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it, it just it's focus and determination. Like Dabo, that's my dog too. Like man, I've been fucking with Dabo, man. I was been, I was buying shells and shit, making. I mean, that's your footprint of your family. Yeah, you, like you know. I mean, even before he was up there, cause he only been there like, like fourteen, fifteen years or something like that yeah. now. But before that, he was like down in the books building. True. Uh, where he had like a fucking African department store, like clothes over here, <laughs> furniture over there, beads over here. Department store. Yeah, you know. And I, I was buying beads from Dabo like uh, when I was like seven, mm. and like you know X Clan came out, and uh. you know all this cultures jumping off and shit like that. And so, because uh, you know, when I got back from. Uh, out of town, my, my aunt was a Pan-African as my mama sent me to live with her, and mm -hmm. that's how I got knowledge broken on my head over discipline. I wouldn't get yelled at or hit. I have to go get that Deepak Chopra book and yeah, read it and write an essay yeah, about it, or, you know, I had to go get the uh, message to the black man and mm -hmm. write an essay about it, you know, so John Henry Clark and, wow. you know, Dr. That's ben cool. and shit like that. So I was getting my head broken on the discipline tip, and cause, you know, my mom was like, I'll just give up on you. I don't know what to do. It was, it was, mm -hmm. My my godmother was like, yeah, I got him, I got something for that ass. Knowledge <laughs> itself, knowledge true itself. indeed. And you know, 
locked in again. But yeah, Malik Yakini, dog, and 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 that's why, cause integrity, stand up guy, you know what I'm saying? And Black Star. Ever since I first met him at Black Star Books, like when I first literally like met Malik, was like me and Money Wells was just sitting up in Black Star Books playing chess freestyling mm -hmm. like just smelling like big weed because we had just blew outside you feel me <laughs> mm -hmm. but it was like you know um it's always been the comfort zone around that brother where you could uh let your guard down and be a revolutionary you know what i'm saying and uh, uh evolutionary on from a revolutionary on into an evolutionary so you know, yeah, but Malik Yakini, I, I will re rename Woodward Malik Yakini because that's I'm, why. I'm <laughs> so, um, last thing, how do people get in contact with you? Oh man, three one three site. No, but um, I'm not real big on the interweb, but uh, on uh, Instagram, it's uh, I think it's like John Dot Cloud T M, mm -hmm. and on uh, Facebook, it's uh, Walking Cloud. And it's a picture of me upside down in the salute. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can also reach out to me on uh, Sound Signature Entertainment's uh, website. Uh, Theo guy gave me a little area where I do the uh, for my artwork mm -hmm. and you know some music that he licensed from me. And um, Chop Master Ice <laughs> on uh, SoundCloud. Okay. Yep. There we go. Thank you so much. Man, thank you for having me, bro. All right, peace. Peace. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.